Welcome to Phone Messages, Episode 70, Wake Up. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, we hear a very short message from someone I cannot identify. I have compared the voice to numerous other messages, and nothing quite matches. I do know the message came from the spring of 1989 and is less than 10 seconds long. Let's listen. Paul, wake up. My first thought is that this message must come from a relative who felt comfortable commanding me, perhaps as a joke, to wake up. It's something my dad would certainly say. But when I played the message back for my dad and my brothers, they immediately said it sounded like my youngest brother, Mark. Of course, they meant how Mark sounds today. In 1989, he would have been only 13. So it's possible this is the younger voice of my dad whose vocal traits Mark has inherited. Regardless, the funny thing is that I actually enjoyed getting up early, and one of my jobs in these years, which I mentioned back in episode 20, Chicago Bohemian, required me to wake up before dawn in order to unlock the doors on the campus quad. It's also significant that while I was not enrolled in school in the spring of 1989, I was attending classes at the University of Chicago. I did this by simply asking professors if they would let me audit a class. Looking back, I'm somewhat amazed at how easy it was. Considering these were not lecture classes in large auditoriums, but seminars. I usually told the professor that I had just completed my undergraduate degree and would begin the Master of Arts program in the Social Sciences in the fall. I'm sure it helped that I was a middle-class white kid as well. One of the most memorable classes I sat in on was Arthur Mann's History of American Social Movements. It was a very popular class, so I often literally sat on the floor, since I did not want to take a seat at the large seminar table from a legitimate student. Mann was most well known for his books on progressivism, including two books on New York's most famous mayor, Fiorello LaGuardia. Mann had a somewhat conflicted relationship to social movements himself. On the one hand, he joined a group of historians on the famous walk from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama in March of 1965 in support of voting rights. On the other hand, he was on the disciplinary committee that expelled 42 students for a 1969 sit-in protesting the lack of women faculty at the University of Chicago. Feminist scholar Joe Freeman, who was a graduate student in political science at the time, 
recounts Mann telling her that the history department would be happy to hire more women, but there were only three good women historians in the country, and none of them were available. As a teacher, Arthur Mann seemed to be a man from a different age. Each class began with a series of key terms written on the blackboard. He often asked students to help with this task. So, as a way to compensate for my unofficial status, I frequently volunteered. His lectures systematically addressed each key word on the board and used 3x5 index cards that had probably gone unchanged for decades. At some point, I realized that he had taught at Smith College while Sylvia Plath was there, and I asked if he had known her. He told me yes, he knew her, and, referring to Plath's husband, Ted Hughes, in a scornful voice said, I wouldn't let him get near my daughters. I'm not sure if this was meant literally, since he had two young daughters while teaching at Smith, or if it was a general comment on Ted Hughes' womanizing ways. But the spark of anger in his eyes struck me as out of character to his otherwise kindly grandfather demeanor. The last time I saw Arthur Mann was on a warm summer day when I was walking through the neighborhood of Kenwood, where a lot of professors lived. He stood in front of his house with a concerned look on his face. I greeted him enthusiastically and reminded him of my name. Paul, he said, can you find out if there is some identification on that vehicle there? Apparently, this bulldozer had been parked on his residential street for a while, and he wanted to report it. I looked, but apologizing told him I could not find anything. I guess he was concerned about civic order to the end. He died a few years later, in 1993, at the age of 71. All right, that's it for this week. If you would like to participate in this podcast or have comments, please contact me through my website, pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.